Shamrock, my ass. This is Andre Iskana, and you listen to Bay of Black Water. You're gonna need a bigger boat. We have such sights to show you. You don't know what that is. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Graveyard Shit Podcast. Uh, we have something a little, uh, a little different for you this time. Um, we're doing like a dual review of High Noon and Outland. So, you know, you're probably thinking like, okay, a western and a science fiction movie. But the fact is, they're pretty much the same movie. You know, um... So it'll be an interesting one for sure. So whose idea was this? Um, you brought up Outland, <laughs> and and I rem- and I, rem- I just remember thinking I was like, is is that that one with Sean Connery that's a remake of High Noon? And you were like, it, it it's like it it took you a second, and you were like, it is a remake of High Noon, isn't it? <laughs> and yeah, then, that's, that's interesting. I wasn't sure how this thing would actually go over. Uh... You know, graveyard, uh, uh, the graveyard, uh, ship podcast, checking out a 50, uh, 1952 Western with Gary Cooper and Grace Kelly. What the freaking crap? <laughs> I can't even imagine freaking if Will were not with us, he'd be rolling in his grave. He, yes, Will, Will would completely be like, like, what are they talking about? Why, why are they watching this? Because <laughs> it's Gary freaking Cooper and, you know, and. Oh, yeah. And, and the screenplay uh, writer was uh, exiled from America and sent off to Great Britain because of all the the Cold War politics and the McCarthyism, Red Scare, and all that junk. Yeah, which you know. Well, well, I, I'll tell you why. Let's let's. Yeah. You want you want to talk physical media for just a second? Yeah, for sure. 
Um, just, yeah, trying, we won't get long-winded here. Um, but, um, I picked up some things today, uh, we were talking about, and, uh, freaking Bride of Reaminator from, you guys know, I cannot freaking wait, Arrow, the Arrow copy cannot wait. Um, okay. you're gonna, you're gonna love it. Great. Digging that in. Just, uh, we were talking about all the special effects people involved in that, and I just, man, I can't wait. Um, and the Darkman trilogy. Oh, like, yeah. Nice little upgrade there on that one today, and two evil eyes. Nice yeah, blue yeah, and you know that that's a movie. You know they released their thirty five thousand or whatever, but then uh, from what I know, they it, they repressed it, but without numbers, like no longer numbered editions. So the fact that you got a numbered one, nice. And you're gonna finally uh, have uh, Dreamcatcher. Yeah, finally going to get it. Oh, man. For some reason, I have a real hard time finding that up here. Or when I do, it's in, like, a pack with, like, a bunch of other ones, and it's, like, $67. What? And I, you know, and I'm like, I get it. It's, you know, because you're, you're buying, like, a set of, like, eight movies, but I already own all the other ones. So it's like, do I really want to waste that money to get one movie no no you know um, yeah it was great that i actually got to give you a choice full screen widescreen definitely yeah always go with the widescreen though <laughs> but uh yeah and talking about uh need, you know needing an upgrade uh outland for sure is uh is worthy of an upgrade i got that old snapper case DVD. Yeah. Definitely going to need the blue on this because I'm going to want to check out some of the extras that may potentially be on that. All I know is, like I was telling you, you know, I had to download a copy because I can't find mine. I have the Snapper Case one as well somewhere. What I downloaded was like a 720 version of the of from the Blu-ray, and uh, it looked really good. And that's only at 720. You know, so can only wonder, only wonder how like the 1080 looks. I'm sure it looked better than my my DVD. Probably. Um. Yeah. <laughs> what was really weird is because when I watched this, I got so freaking confused. I I was I had watched it upstairs. Um. The the first time I was revisiting it, mm. and I put it in, and it was. In its, you know, sort of semi-full screen mode. And I'm like, what the freaking, what is, I thought it was widescreen. Yeah. And so I went and, you know, looked at the case. And then I realized, uh, you know, there was full screen and widescreen. And I'm like, okay, what gives? And so I, maybe it's on the other side of the disc. So I popped the disc over. And then that was truly full screen. I'm like, what the freaking <laughs> crap is that? So then I yeah. freaking, I'm getting, oh, I'm getting so freaking mad. I pull, pull the thing out. I'm looking at it. And, uh, and then I realized, no, widescreen's the side I had it on initially, and so I put it back in, and, and, and it's sort of like a, a almost semi-full screen mode, and so, but when I watched it down here, uh, down in my movie room, mm. weird, the widescreen is, it's actual widescreen. Huh. I don't know if the TV upstairs is my 4K TV and I had the disc in my 4K player. I don't know if for some reason there was a limitation on it being able to play 
the mm-hmm. widescreen. But when I had it in downstairs on my regular Blu-ray player on my, you know, it's a smart TV, but it's not a 4K. Yeah. It's the regular widescreen. Yeah. Um, it's weird that that the 4K TV would, that, I don't know, that that would happen. It, it uh, is. You know, that is that is a little weird. I mean, yeah. So. The last couple times I watched, I just watched it down here, you know, and just, you know, to be able to watch it in widescreen and I'm not sure what I think about the exploding head sequences we'll, we'll get into, but, um, <laughs> it, yeah. So, but anyways, oh, I, I meant to tell you earlier, I didn't, um, so, so, you know, I pre-ordered, um, Anthropophagus. Mm-hmm. Absurd. Both were, uh, just announced, uh, via that Dawn of the Discs, I think it was. Yep. Um, and which is such a great freaking thing to have. I mean, yeah, it sucks in a way because it seems like every other announcement I just want to freaking pre-order, but I can't. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm freaking yeah. strapped, man. I can, I only use, I was joking with Lonnie earlier today. So he sends me this link to, I can't remember the guy's name. You, I'm sure you've seen a million of his videos. Oh, he's the UK guy. He's always reviewing, um, um, 4K stuff and, uh, he's yeah. kind of a bald, bald guy. I know who you mean. I can't remember his name. Yeah. I can't remember his, yeah, his name. But, um, anyways, uh, he, uh, he did a nice little 14 minute video, uh, looking forward to the 88 release of the 4K edition of Anthropophagus mm-hmm. and Absurd. <laughs> and he said, man, I know you're, I know you're, uh, you, you just pulled the trigger on this. So you might want to check this out. And I knew the guy, I mean, I know the guy, but I mean, I have seen his videos before. Yeah. And, uh, so I, so I watched it today and, um, you know, he doesn't know exactly what's going to be on the, the, but what he was able to talk about, which was really cool was I forgot that, see, I have the initial 88 release of both films in its first release. So yeah. there's not much on either. Although he, you know, he reminded me, I kind of forgot that, uh, uh, the 42nd, uh, the 42nd Avenue, um, um, the, the rise and fall of 42nd Street, I think it is, mm-hmm. um, documentary, which, you know, I agree. I mean, that, that is just a phenomenal freaking documentary. Um, about 42nd street and um and uh and but i forgot that that 88 had put out a second release of anthropophagus and absurd meanwhile i think stateside wasn't it severin that actually put out yeah severin put out yeah. over here yeah so but i had forgotten that 88 had actually put out and i must have just i don't know i just must have just been not able to do the upgrade then and, uh, but now of course we got 88, you know, seemingly, I guess 88 wants to, uh, top Severed maybe. I don't know with a, maybe I mean, the artwork looks freaking on the slip covers looks freaking awesome. Um, I, I can't wait. So anyways, he, he's sort of, you know, he basically talked about just, um, you know, what was on, uh, the initial release of 88, what, what was added on. In the, uh, in the second release of the two films and then potential, of course, what we may be seeing with the 4K. And obviously you can only sort of guess at that junk, but he seemed to think, I can't remember exactly what his reason was, but he seemed to think that the rise and fall, I think it's, I think that's what it's called. And the rise and fall of 40, 
40 seconds. Something like that, yeah. Anyways, he doesn't think that's going to care because it didn't carry over to the second release. Mm-hmm. And so I think his, I think his basic just was just because you may be upgrading, don't get rid of this because you may never get this dock again. Well, I mean, that's, a, that's a, a valid, a valid, yeah. you know, concern, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't, not with the movie. I mean, cause this, this pre-order, uh, which comes out, I think it gets shipped end of June. Maybe I'm supposed to get it first week of July. Uh, yeah, June 24th. Yeah. Um, so, um, so, so he, you know, I always semi joke, but not really joke. I do, you know, I get to do one good pre-order a year. Yeah. And I was just waiting. I mean, I almost jumped on the radiance, uh, of Planet of the Vampires. Oh, nice. And, and of course, Lonnie's got to rub it in that he's going to probably pull the trigger on that Wednesday and, um, so Lonnie says to me today, Lonnie says, he's, by the way, he's our listeners. He's our Saturday reviewer, body bags. Um, mm-hmm. our, our 4k guru there. Right. Um, <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. He, uh, so he says to me, he says, so Rob, I got a question. So yeah. So he says, uh, I know you, I know you only do like really one good pre-order a year. I say, yeah. He said, what are you going to do if stage right gets a 4k? release this year <laughs> well Bonnie I said you know I only get one a year so it has to be next year it can't come out this year <laughs> so then he pauses for a minute and then he and I thought the conversation was paused for a moment and then he says but what are you going to do if that thing gets released like the week you get your movies and I'm just like God, why do you got to say that yeah. Well, I guess I'm going to have to hope for the freaking best that it's going to be, you know, it's going to be the type of pre-order that, you know, doesn't take your money until it freaking dispatches, which <laughs> I sort of get. And I freaking it's still irritating that, you know, that with a lot, you know, some of these boutique labels, they will just they, they'll take the money at the instant you pull the trigger on a pre-order. Yeah. And, and I get it. You want to secure your numbers. You want to know for sure what's going out. What's you know because you're you know prepping the prepping the stuff. But on the flip side of that, it's nice for those of us who just don't have the ability to pre-order everything in sight and yeah. just watch the account go. You know. Um. So I don't. I don't know. I guess. Uh, I guess it really depends on who releases that as a 4K. Yeah, um, definitely. If, if the UK company, chances are good that it, maybe it'll be an Amazon UK pre-order. Um, yeah. But you got End of the Vampires by Radiance, which I surely won't, probably won't get. But mm-hmm. it's now that I have my uh, Radiance uh, Messiah of Evil, I can only imagine how good that's going to be, though. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's honestly, yeah, I'm just uh, looking at that right now. Uh, oh. Oh, hmm. God, here we go. Planet of the Vampires, Blu-ray, limited edition, one movie, two cuts. What? What's the, what's the cuts? Come on. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, 
Italian and English versions. Audio commentary by Tim Lucas, plus a new documentary. The Super 8 version. Trailer commentaries. Gallery. Damn. Well. Well, that one's in May when it comes out. And, uh, you know, it's going to be 23 pounds, apparently. So. That's not, not that. No, no. So, I mean. Anthropophagus and. They're 30 something, right? Well, they were. Okay, so when I first saw the news drop, I went to. Okay, so I don't know. I don't even know if I should say this out loud. I don't want it to ever go away. But I've noticed, I know it's a long time ago and it hasn't changed. You can use your regular Amazon account login to log into Amazon UK. Yep, yeah. Now, obviously, I mean, you know, if you live in the States and you order something, you're not going to get your two-day shipping. You don't even get it anymore stateside. But, I mean, I mean, sometimes <laughs> you get lucky. But um, that stuff doesn't really bother me a whole lot. I mean, you still get stuff pretty quick. But um, <laughs> but the fact that you can still – you can use your stateside login to logging into the Amazon UK, which is pretty cool. So, um, you know, it's and it's nice that – you do that that way and, you know, they won't yank the money, you know, till yeah, that's it true. ships, which is beautiful. And I really, I really appreciate that, you know, I mean, cause it's what, okay. So anyways, I saw, um, when I saw earlier in the day, it was 27 pounds each mm-hmm. and that converted out to about, I don't know, it was about 34 American dollars. Um, like that, yeah. yeah. And, um, and then when I, when, you know, of course I had to get it all, all straightened out with my better half. Um, and, uh, and so by the time I pulled the trigger on, it was in the early evening. And when I went and pulled the trigger on it, it was 30 pounds each. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm hoping it defaults back to the 27 just to save me a couple dollars, but you know, whatever. Mind. I mean, you know, that's, that's one of the good things about, uh, Amazon, you know, um, Whatever the lowest price is after you've you've bought it, it drops down to that price. So if you you know if you buy it at like uh, like thirty pounds, for example, if between then and when it ships, it drops down to say seventeen, you get it for seventeen. Nice, <laughs> you know. So that nice. that's that's not bad. I mean, now that that scares me a little bit in terms of well, how much stuff are they going to put into it if they're only charging. You know, thirty thirty pounds a piece. Well, I don't know. I mean, the other thing is, why didn't they just? Why didn't EDA just release it as a box set if they're going to release both? Well, because I mean, then you can charge thirty pounds each instead of having to pay thirty pounds. You know, well for both. <laughs> I would imagine though, if they would have boxed them both up, it would have probably been sixty or seventy. I I would assume so. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, just so you know. Uh, Plan to the Vampires, uh, 33.99 on Diabolic. Okay. So, I mean, you know, I mean, it's, there's a good chance, you know, my birthday rolls around. <clears throat> it, it may, you know, I still may, you know, the, I, I really would like that. I know, you know, Will wasn't the biggest fan of Planet of the Vampire. I love that freaking movie, man. Mario freaking Bava, man. Freaking atmosphere in that movie is freaking unreal. 
Yeah. <laughs> love it. The work they did on the set uh, is just unreal what they freaking made. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, that's such a freaking great movie. Oh yeah. Um, and, and we also have to talk about something though, that's coming out this uh, West Craven film collection from uh, via vision. Really? Yeah. It's got, um, you know, deadly blessing. Okay. That's, that's whatever. Serpent in the rainbow. Okay. Nice. And people under the stairs, all of them with new commentaries. Interesting. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't really care about deadly blessing too much. I love serpent in the rainbow. Yes. And people under the stairs is a damn good movie. It, that's a movie that, uh, how can I put it? I've grown to like more as the years have gone on. Which one? Which one? Um, people under the stairs. Yeah, when I, fir- when I yeah, first yeah. saw it, I didn't like it. I don't know why, but, uh, you know, I, you know, over the years, you know, I'm watching it again and stuff. I've taken a real liking to it. So that's an interesting grouping right there. It is. It, it's a bit of a strange choice. I say, I say of all of Wes Craven's films, man, all of them. The one that I would jump on more than any other probably for a 4K release would be would be the Serpent Serpent the Rainbow. I love that movie. Yeah. I think in 4K would look freaking out out of this world. Um, yeah. Now Nightmare on Elm Street, obviously the first one I, I would jump on, but I don't know. There's this. I don't know. I've, I've often you know complained with Lonnie about when are we going to get a Nightmare on 4K, and its anniversary is coming up. Or is um, so what came out in eighty four? It's twenty twenty four. So yeah, this is the year of its anniversary. Yeah, I mean we we might see it. I don't know. So, you know, forty forty right? Forty forty years? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we should yeah. So but I don't know something something makes me think that Serpent in the Rainbow would just look freaking awesome in four K. Oh yeah, well I mean you know all the shots down in like Haiti and everything. That'd look great. Yeah, I love the freaking, uh, just the voodoo element in that and just, uh, Oh, interesting uh, little bit of trivia for anyone who's listening. Um, as of right now, if you go to diabolicdvd.com, there are three copies left of Zombie 5 Killing Birds on Blu-ray from 88 films. Ah, uh, you're freaking killing me on that one too. And then here's why I want, I so badly want that freaking, at some point I'm gonna have to get it. I hope I can get it. Um, mm. apparently I think on the commentary on that one, there's a discussion, pretty deep discussion, relevant discussion of, um, uh, Film Raj, the, um, oh, nice. That Joe D'Amato had created to help, you know, young, uh, directors get, you know, their first shot at, um, you know, movie making. And of course, um, mm-hmm. you know, as a kid, you know, I was, you know, film Raj, of course, stage right, um, McKelly's film, his first direct, oh, yeah. directorial debut. Um, but I, I heard somewhere and maybe it was, I don't know, maybe I can't remember where I heard or picked up on it. I don't know if it was a podcast or something I was listening to, but, uh, they they were saying that there was a pretty good discussion on there. Um, yeah, it's uh, Troy Howarth, Howarth and uh, Nathaniel Thompson. So 
Oh, I, you know what, I, I wonder if it was, um, Parka interviewing Troy Haworth or maybe it Could was, be, yeah. yeah, he, I think he had him on and maybe they were talking about something and then the, and then somehow that came up into discussion and I thought, oh, I really got to get that freaking, because Film Raj always fascinated me and that whole production company and it just irritates, it irritates the freaking crap out of me that we didn't get a third piece to the, uh, the, um, Anthropophagus, uh, what could have been a sort of a loose, loosely knit trilogy. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, but yeah, that's, and I, I'm kind of hoping for something, you know, involving film Raj, you know, in terms of a documentary or maybe a commentary or something in that, um, in that new 4K release of those two movies. I, you know, I think it would be, you know, dumb not to. You know, because, like, they've obviously gone, gone, like, out of their way to do, like, a good edition. The fact that they're charging 30 pounds per disc, you know, that's not, that's not cheap for, uh, you know, for, like, a UK 4K. So, you know, I would assume there's probably got to be something. Now, that video I was watching, I think if I remember right, if I remember right, Anthropophagus was 16 millimeter, shot 16 millimeter, but Absurd was shot 35 millimeter. Yeah. So, so. it's going to have an easier time making Absurd look out of this world. Anthropophagus um, will be a little bit, a little bit more of a work. But I mean, I heard uh, he made the point that even in its, even in the 88 second release of Anthropophagus, it looked a lot better. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I know the the Severn co- copy looks great. Well, that's awesome. So you know, I, I have to imagine it's going to look freaking great. So that'll be my big jump from. And it's again, I think I meant to say this earlier, but it's it's a nice little, um, you know, because Anthropophagus was the uh, that's what really kind of I mean really motivated me to go region free because at the time there was no U.S. release. I mean, you either had it or you weren't getting it. Yeah. And, you know, and I knew, you know, because I think when I was just flirting with the idea of going region free, I would, I would sort of surf Amazon UK and whatnot. Mm. And somehow I must have, or maybe it was a mood shelf by shelf. Somehow somewhere along the way I came into contact with just the knowledge of, hey, there is a release by a company called 88 Films for Anthropophagus, but you can't get it unless you're region free and so that was uh when i got my first player um it, it's my, a complete game changer honestly oh, it is. Your and, first. And, and, yeah and I, I was just my first order from the uk my first order included anthropophagus and it might have included absurd too as well and that could have come on another um order but um anthropophagus was the first in a group of i can't remember all i got in that small grouping but that was that was one of them for sure. And yeah, but that's how much we've jumped since then. I mean, there was that moment where it just seemed like if you didn't have a VHS or if you didn't have an earlier release or something, there were so many of these movies, you just, they just weren't easy to find. And then now, of course we live in a moment where, you know, they're everywhere. Yeah. Very true. It's, you know, great on one hand, but, you know, if you, you know, worked hard to go region free and now suddenly, you know, Severin's got them out and, 
it's you know but but that's what makes this this pre-order special to me because it's kind of neat going back to 88 films for a movie that really did motivate me to go region free to begin with yeah and now i kind of get that neat upgrade um in a film and it's gonna those two films are gonna look great in my uh small but pretty freaking nice my nice but small little collection of you know my 4ks which includes as you know of course the sadness from germany and oh yeah (laughs) and uh it's you know is at least as far as my 4k goes it's it's quality over quantity is my motto yeah Um, for sure so but yeah i don't know so some yeah some good things on uh and you know for the listeners again uh, before we stray away into what we're supposed to be talking about, <laughs> Dawn of the Discs, man. If you don't have, if you're not getting alerts by Dawn of the Discs, man, you need to, you need to get on that uh, through Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> that is a great freaking source. And getting your uh, daily updates from Bloody Disgusting always helps too about things coming down the pike and whatnot. Yeah, but, very true. One of the discs is great, man. It's irritating when you don't have money just to f- spend every five seconds, but it's it's great too when you know because I was waiting this year. What's the? And I think Lonnie even asked me at some point. He's like, "What's the pre-order? What is it?" And I'm like, "I don't know. It hasn't dropped. I'll know when it drops. It's kind of yeah. like I just don't know. I mean, you know." And then God, that day the other day, man, I was like, "That's it. Holy crap! It just dropped." Yeah. So, well, it's you know, hopefully I don't have to miss anything major the year. But like you know, he I don't know. He has a weird feeling that stage fright may be coming soon. So I'm not. Yeah, I don't know. I've I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard like any you know rumblings or anything. So I don't know. And for anyone who doesn't know, stage fright is you know, I mean, it's just. Maybe the greatest slasher ever, but just leave it there. It kind of is. Um, it's um, awesome, man. That it so really fr- is. George freaking Eastman, man. Freaking <laughs> David Brandon. God, what a freaking uh, Giovanni Lombardo Redici. Honestly, you throw him in anything, and it's it's uh, just good. He's so fun as Brett in that movie. He's so freaking. How did you stay right? All right. Anyways, what are we supposed to be talking about? Uh, High Noon and Outland. All right. So a quick little uh, synopsis. I think I found a short, pretty concise for both. Go for it. So I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. I'm going from IMDb. I think they're okay. We'll 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 leap off of these two. So um, High Noon, um, directed by uh, Frank uh, Zinneman, uh, 1952. A town marshal, uh, of course, played by Gary Cooper. Um, um, despite our, yeah, town marshal, despite the disagreements of his newlywed bride and the townspeople around him, must face a gang of deadly killers alone at high noon when the gang leader, an outlaw he sent up years ago, arrives on the noon train. Um, and then, uh, Outland, hold up here real quick. Um, this one I thought was pretty good. Um, of course, Outland, uh, Peter Hyman's, um, from 90, oh, I'm sorry, 81, 1981. In this film, patterned on High Noon, 1952, 
a marshal on Jupiter's moon, uh, low or IO, IO, I think is, uh, assigned to a remote mining colony and discovers the illegal selling on amphetamines. He refuses to look the other way when miners begin dying from a drug, which increases their productivity. The marshal finds few allies in the corporate controlled colony when assassins are sent to take him out. <laughs> not terrible. Not, not terribly too. Too, yeah. too bad. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. So you just kind of like wherever here. Um, um, fair, okay. So high noon, I mm. grabbed the Olive Films, uh, DVD release, which is a pretty good release. Actually it comes with a nice book with a nice little write up with some of the backdrop to, uh, the Cold War politics and just some of the, uh, Red Scare stuff that was going on. Um, Mm-hmm. The reaction to this movie, I didn't realize this movie was so controversial for its time, and I didn't realize that Rio Bravo, that would come out, uh, Howard Hawks' film that would come out a few years later with John Wayne was sort of um, an answer to the issues they had with High Noon, yeah. which uh, the screenwriter really had, um, you know, had something to say about what he was seeing in terms of people ratting each other out uh, because they were under pressure um, when they were, you know, forced to have to sit in front of um, the uh, House on Un-American Activities Committee. Um, and yep. apparently Foreman, the screenwriter, um, was um, had already cut ties, I guess, with the Communist Party, but the fact he wouldn't rat anyone out, mm-hmm. you know, didn't do himself well and so in that climate you sort of get the genesis for high noon yeah so what did you think about this movie when you i you know i i'd seen it years ago and uh i just i i i'd forgotten how tight of a movie it is you know it's Very. like you, you you really there's no fat in this movie. It's like just all, it's almost done in real time. Yeah, almost. You know, like, uh, the movie is how long? Um, 85 uh, minutes. Yeah. And it's, it's some, it's stated somewhere in the movie. It's like, you know, like coming on this train, whatever is going to be here in like, like 40 minutes or whatever. And, you know, it's kind of like a, a, a real-time countdown. It works really well. Um, it's also very... Um, how can I put this? It's It's very apt, if you will, with kind of like today's society. Where it's like, you know, this guy's doing something, you know, and no one will help him out. Yeah, and a bit of a, um, a bit of a, uh, 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 not having a problem with ratting people out when. Yeah, and I, I mean, mean, it's, it's, you, you, I mean, when we saw some of that junk, I don't know how it went up in Canada, but down here during COVID, we saw it, depending on what state you lived in, there were stories of where even the state level government was, was encouraging people to rat out, uh, those who were, um, violating, um, you know, the 
protocols that were being put into place. Yeah. Uh, and um, which is, I you know, I get it. You're dealing with a pretty serious thing, but at the same time, too, it's kind of scary when when a government is encouraging people to turn their neighbors in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and that really is in it. And so I mean, you made a good point though, because there's so much of this movie feels like it doesn't even feel like a 1952 movie. It feels like a movie that came from our time more than it does its own time. Yeah, definitely. Um, interesting. It really is, because I mean, let's be honest. You know, 1952 is a hell of a long time ago. You know, and. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that maybe that says something about like how how stuff happens in like circles. You know, they always yeah. say you know they like things come and go, and you know we're in a situation right now, like you know the world right now, that's kind of similar to what it was back then. In a way, yeah, it's 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 a little it's odd um, to say the least. It is. Um... I, you know, it's, I, I tell you, I, you know, I wasn't sure. I, I mean, you know, when, when we're going to do something like this, of course, I, I'm not worried about spoilers or anything like that. I just jump right in and start trying to figure out what am I about to see here? And, yeah. uh, and so I was pretty, I was pretty shocked at, <laughs> you know, what I was going to see. And when I got, when I got the, when I got the movie and finally put it in and, um, you know, this movie starts fast, very and, fast. I mean, I mean, re, I mean, I mean. Well, the first, the first person you see, though, I think if I remember, the first one you see is Lee Van Cleef. I think so. Yeah, he's sitting up on a on a. He's sitting up on some. Wait, they're waiting for uh, the other uh, gunman, and then they all go out to the train to wait on Frank Miller, um, the the guy. Okay, so Gary Cooper's your marshal. Right, and he's about to, uh, he just, he's getting married and he's, uh, he's gonna turn his badge in. The new marshal picks up the next day and he's not mm-hmm. married for five freaking seconds and news rolls in that Frank Miller, who he had put away five years earlier, just got a pardon. He's been up in, what, did they, was he up in New York or just up north somewhere? Uh, I'll try so, to see what it's, I think it was New York maybe or something, but he gets a early part or pardoned. And he he makes his intentions well known that he is coming back and his he is going to kill um he is going to kill um uh Will Kane, uh Marshall yep. Will Kane played by Gary Cooper. And of course he marries uh he marries um Amy, who is Grace Kelly, her first movie. Mm-hmm. Well what a man, what a little doll she is. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so the movie rolls in and I was shocked how many freaking stars are in this movie. Definitely. I mean, Thomas, you got Thomas Mitchell. I think he's the guy, he was in, uh, well, tons of stuff. And I mean, like, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. He's the one who loses the cash. Yep. Um, and, uh, what a, what a scene he has in the church. Um. Oh, yeah. You got a young Lloyd Bridges. Mm Mm-hmm. Holy freaking crap, man. Lon Chaney Jr.? Oh, yeah. How freaking cool is that? And then, uh, of course, Lee Van Cleef. And you don't get a lot out of him. You don't really get a lot out of the um, gunman per se. You get more You get more from what's happening, you know, in terms of um, 
Will Kane, uh, the Marshal's, um, uh, reaction or what is he going to do with the, you know, I mean, the town basically wants him to get out of Dodge fast. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that, that is one thing I kind of liked about it. You know, the fact that the, the town didn't seem to be actively wanting him dead. They just wanted it like, you know what? Like, we know this is coming. Go. Yeah. You know, um, it was kind. Of, it was kind of neat because I mean, it would have been easy to have made it where you know the town's like not helping him, but they actively want him dead. You know, and they're and they'd be the not helping him because they want him dead. The fact that you know they, it's not that they want him dead. It's just that they you know don't want to get involved. Yeah, they're pretty. It's interesting because. I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I sort of, I sort of get a lot of it. They just don't. Well, I think, uh, um, I can't remember what his character name was, but Thomas Mitchell's character and his speech in the church makes mm. the point that economically this does not make sense because if news washes back to those who are, you know, uh, are starting to pour money into their, their town, Mm-hmm. They may shut that off if, if, you know, the perception is this town is like any other town out, you know, in the West or whatever that's just, you know, uh, you know, it, it hasn't gotten civilized, I guess. Yeah. And he makes the point that though, but he's, that's, he's a, I mean, by the time you get to the church scene where he gets to make his case before, it's, it's really split. Yeah. But ultimately, it's Thomas Mitchell who you think is completely on the Marshall side, but then he actually makes the argument why he just needs to get out of Dodge in the end. It, it yeah. makes sense for everyone and, and himself too, because I think, yeah, I think genuinely, I mean, they all recognize that he's done um, a great bit for their town, and the reason why their town is. Well, as one of the uh, wives, you know, says, you know, uh, you know, women can just walk down the street, fear, you know, without having to fear being raped or attacked or taken advantage of, or it's mm-hmm. the town has grown a lot, and it's 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 like you know, there's you know, there's law and order, and it's just like a regular town, but that whole thing is about to come unglued the minute Frank Miller, you know, steps off that train. Yep. And he's got a real moral dilemma. It's, it's weird because, I mean, I did a lot of, I mean, a lot, but I mean, I, you know, I sort of, like I said, dug in a little bit to see what was going on. And, and I mean, I was sort of taken back just how much, um, you know, uh, John Wayne had a problem with this movie. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know. When I think about it, I almost get the feeling that, he didn't actually watch the movie because he, he nope. you know he, he, some of the issues that he has with it aren't in the movie well it's it was like he, he went on about like this whole scene like oh like you know he, he throws the 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 badge on the ground and stomps it into the dirt and everything it's like no he he drops it and leaves yeah you know, and it's it, like, what, so was he seeing something that wasn't there? Well, I think, I think, I think, 
I think his, I think part of his issue is, um, part of his issue is, and, and I, I think I agree, uh, with this. I was, I heard this from somewhere. Um, it, you know, for some of these people who weren't afraid, um, you know, and, and, and a lot of them, I mean, if they're, you know, if they had absolutely no connection, um, to the communist party or, or anything, I mean, you know, for, for them, none of them really had anything, you know, worried about, but I mean, I don't think they liked looking in it. I don't think, you know, seeing this movie was almost like looking in a mirror in terms of how a lot of them, uh, what was going on. Yeah. And it wasn't yeah. right. It wasn't right that people were having their livelihoods threatened as, I, I, I mean, I guess there comes a point where depending on what you're involved in or not involved in, some of that conversation actually comes up in Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is interesting. Of course, you're dealing with the creation of an atomic bomb, and and you know, so I mean, a lot of things are paramount when it comes to something like that. But you're just talking about freaking actors working on movies, and uh, you know, just the fact that some of them were getting, you know, a lot of them were getting called in if they had any connections. Um, but but it wasn't from what I heard. It wasn't seeing the movie. I didn't. And maybe that's because we're we're seeing the movie from our perspective today, and it yeah. feels it feels fitting for us because of a lot of things that 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 we see and we're bothered by. We're seeing reflected, yeah, because we don't agree. We don't agree with a lot of the things that we've seen or are seeing or whatever. But I didn't get the extreme. I didn't get. I just didn't get it. You know, just why. Of course, you remember John Wayne said, I mean, when he got a script for uh, 1941, he, he basically ripped it up and it's like, that's trash. I'm not, you know, no, I don't want no cameo in that garbage. And yeah. it's, it's a freaking, I mean, by that point, you're in the eighties. It's a spoof. I mean, it's just having yeah. fun with, you know, that whole scare of the Japanese going to invade, you know, the coast of California. But he, he's, I mean, I guess you gotta re- respect him to a point in his position, but I mean, at the same time, I just didn't, I mean, even when he dropped, yeah, you know, cause I had, yeah, you know, just like you said, I had images planted in my mind that he was going to just sling that, uh, the badge down into the dirt. He was gonna step on it and, mm-hmm. and the, you know, but I mean, you know, the, the fact that he makes, he makes the choice. To mm-hmm. turn around and come back, yeah. And even in in even in light of losing the potential of losing his wife because she's a Quaker, we didn't mention that she's a Quaker because yeah. of what she experienced with you know the loss of I think what, was it her dad and her brother? I think so, yeah. And so she turned, you know, she turned uh, to the Quakers and you know so uh, abandoned all sense of violence and. And it's funny because it's his old fling that actually talks sense into her head. Yeah. <laughs> and why? Well, I, I don't know if we want to we want to reveal the ending or not, but she will. I don't. And it's funny. I don't think she throws her Quakerness to the wayside necessarily. I think she just realizes that this is her husband now, and there's this whole for better or worse, or to death do us part, or. I, I think she realizes also that, you know, um, 
you know, it's all well and good to be like a like a pacifist or whatever, but to you know, to quote uh, you know, the Dark Knight, um, some people want to watch the world burn, and those people don't care if you're, you know, like nonviolent or whatever. They got to be kind of they got to be dealt with. Yeah, I you know I I thought he I thought and, you know one of the things I heard John Wayne thought was you know that oh he didn't like the fact he was roaming through town like a chicken with his head cut off and begging and pleading people for you know I mean I don't know what you're <laughs> supposed to do exactly I mean you know you're you know it's not like he's a spring chicken himself um. And really, I mean, the the whole town could have really just stood up and said, no, not today. This ain't going to happen. And I'm not sure what, you know, four guys would have done. Oh, no, they, they, they'd have been just, slaughtered in a second. Yeah, it would, you, you know, know, step off the so, train, hail of bullets. Everyone goes about their business, you know? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the whole town could have just armed up and, <laughs> and just, you know, looked those three in the eyes and just said, all th- all four of you will be dead in a matter of seconds the minute he steps off that train. Yeah, kind of like I just, mean, it could have ended it right there. So I mean, I mean, if there's any real fault, it's it's you know the town really. I'm, I'm not sure what. It, it, okay, in light of Outland, which I think is a little different in terms of the pressure on, even though you're still dealing with an enormous amount of people who seemingly stay by the wayside and are willing to let happen mm-hmm. what seem, seemingly is going to happen with um, O'Neill, yeah. um, Sean Connery's character. Maybe we should start bleeding over to that a little bit. But I was, I was yeah. a little, I was, I mean, I was a little surprised in a way I was gearing up for something that was like really going to, um, but it didn't in the end, but instead I, I saw, you know, I saw, you know, some really, I don't know. I mean, what is he going to do? I mean, he doesn't, he, he, he does everything you, you could expect someone to do. Yeah. He's willing to take off Boron by himself in the end. And all mm-hmm. he's got to help him is a blind guy and a kid. <laughs> and he's not about, and he's, you know, and he's not going to stoop to that level. No. <laughs> so he's willing. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not, you know, I was, I was a little surprised, but I think Outland's a little different though. Yeah. Outland, uh, essentially takes the entire movie of High Noon and makes it the last like 20 minutes of the movie. It like it like shows us pretty much like everything that leads up to you know where where high noon starts like at a breakneck speed right away. This gives us the you know the months leading up to it. And yeah. uh, I mean it's it's a little bit it's a little bit of a different story. To, to set up in effect what is high noon in the last 20 minutes. Yeah. It's, I mean, but you got some, you got some sort of similar things, um, setups, I guess. I mean, you've got, um, you, you know, you got a, you got a marshal here in Sean 
Well, again, you got a freaking cast here. Oh, definitely. Peter Boyle um, as our main antagonist, Shepard. He's freaking awesome. Yep. Um, uh, Francis Sternhagen, uh, of course, our uh, Dr. Um, Marion Lazarus, the one who uh, you get most of the chemistry between her and um, the, the the doctor there uh, and uh, Sean Connery. Yeah. Uh, you I, I, like, I like that name, too, Dr. Marion <laughs> Lazarus. I mean, you know. And you get in the beginning opening scene, you get uh, you get uh, John Ratzenberger, mm-hmm. which is so that was that kind of threw me when you know. Um, but and yeah, you know, so I mean, basically open you open this movie opens up with actually the you know one of the um, one of the deaths that we'll find out later in the movie what what's really behind causing these people to go insane um, and to do what they're do what they're doing but um he thinks he's getting attacked okay so it's a mining colony yeah right so i mean i guess get that straight if anyone's never seen it con am 27 installation on the third moon of jupiter 70 hours from the nearest space station um with like 2144 workers um laborers who are you know working on mining which this needs to be said right off the get-go. I don't know if you what, – what did you think – let me just ask you this. What did you think in the opening – just in the title, the opening title sequence with the, mm-hmm. with the, with the score by Jerry Goldsmith? Uh, I thought um, – am I watching Alien? Yes. I swear to God, the first opening – that whole title sequence mm-hmm. was opening score to Alien. Yeah. It definitely feels like the same universe. Definitely, without a doubt. Um, the Nostromo could have just pulled up and docked. And it oh, yeah. Fits perfect. The, guy, the, the, the crew of the Nostromo fits perfect on this mining colony. Definitely. Even the, even the, um, the, uh, the uh, suits they wear out in, uh, you know, when they're outside. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Remind you of Alien. I'm pretty sure the helmets are exactly. I mean, it's amazing. Um, yeah. Even the lettering for, uh, well, I'm not saying, yeah, but the lettering for Outland, I mean, it sort of, it reminds you of me. I mean, it's not, you know, not quite um, like it, but I mean, it does, but the score. And so, I mean, as soon as I started hearing it, I'm like, tell me that's not Jerry Goldsmith. And it, well, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, yeah, this is, um, amazing um and so you're me- immediately you're you're confronted with this crazy death sequence where the guy thinks he's being attacked by spiders yep and what what makes it unique is the fact that you know it's not even like he dies of like someone else pulls his uh his um oxygen tank thing don't they they're the his like oxygen tube or whatever which makes his head explode do they i i see the, like I thought, I, I, I thought it was someone else that pulled it like someone you know he, i think he was you know he was going crazy and then i think i i just i have this feeling that someone else pulled it it, it didn't look like it was like he grabbed it himself and pulled it 
well, however it goes down, he he yeah. he, he loses all sense of reality when, when he thinks he's just being – and his buddies almost start laughing at him. Oh, yeah. Well, they, they think he's just messing around. Yeah, but it's know? terrifying, though, because he – I mean – I mean, he really believes he's, I mean, he's hallucinating. He really believes he's seeing what he's seeing. And it's kind of a terrifying, I mean, to be confronted with that scene, especially in light of the very alien-esque score. Yeah. Now suddenly you've got this guy thinking he's getting a, you know, he's being, you know, attacked by spiders and they're getting into his, his suit. Yep. And, you know, and so, I mean, but very quickly, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a slower intro, you know, or a slower beginning than High Noon, but not in, in pretty good order. You're, I think you're confronted with three major death sequences. Oh, yeah. As a result of, um, can we just say it or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, what we find out is in order to boost productivity, They've introduced this, well, I guess I said in the synopsis anyways, a drug, um, to, um, you know, to boost the productivity. So you get what, 14 hours of work basically and six hours of work. Yeah. Or six hours worth. Yeah. You get 14 hours of work in. Uh, the problem is after about so many months, your brain fries. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, you're looking great for the company and everything, but you know, then people start, hallucinating and you know walking out into space without their suit on and um yeah <laughs> and so you know and of course we're faced with a conspiracy right off the beginning um you know sean connery's character the uh, marshal o'neill of course we're introduced to him and his wife and his son who almost immediately you know we're in the in in um high noon He's married and seemingly this is the greatest thing in the world. Now we're in Outland and we barely have met his wife and his son and she has decided to take his son and leave on the first, um, transport back, uh, back to Earth. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and so he's sort of left there and, but in, but he's not in like, I guess a lot like, uh, a lot like, um, Will Kane, he's he's not willing to just give up his his duty station. No, no, he, he wants to stick it out. You know, uh, I get it. You know. So we, so we, I, I, I just I just noticed something. Um, I just find it kind of funny that uh, Sean Connery's character is Marshal William T. O'Neill. I just find that kind of funny because, you know, Marshal Will Kane. No, they even got the same first name. Makes me wonder. That's interesting. That is interesting. I mean, I I think... They're not so different from one another, though. No, I mean, character-wise, they're pretty much the same. They're, They're both sort of worn out in their own way. They've done their their bit of duty, although we never really get a completely clear picture why, but it seems like uh Sean Connery's character is sort of just being you know, he's not being rewarded for his service. He's just sort of being put in the hellhole. I think essentially what it said was, you know, like uh 
according to his record or whatever, he's got a big mouth. Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, he's very much like a, like a, like a proper marshal should be. And, uh, well, yeah, he's probably honest. Yeah. And in situations where 90% of people aren't. So I guess we could say he's a bit of a troublemaker. At least to, to the wrong people. So, and he, and and he'll learn as as he realizes it's not really so much. Well, I guess it is in a way. People will turn against him, but his is more realizing who right off the get go who he does not have. Yeah, even his deputy is being paid to basically look the other way, uh, not to pay attention to the drug shipments. There's two main. Uh, two main guys who are running drugs for for um, uh, Shepard, mm-hmm. and um, of course there'll be a great chase sequence between uh, when Sean Connery uh, goes after the one. Oh yeah, and of course you know somebody what he'll he'll actually arrest one. I mean, he's starting to figure out what's going on in this place, and he's already had a couple run-ins with Shepard who doesn't seem very intimidated by the idea of having a marshal at all. No, no, he's completely, you know, he's, he thinks he's in charge and he is in charge, but, you know, um, so here's, here's a question for you. Yeah. Where, you know, so you got, in effect, you got a town full of people that will not, stand with with the marshal in the end but here you got a whole group of of miners people over a Mm -hmm. thousand of them and which one do you think is which one do you think is a little bit more i mean justified in not getting involved i think the miners yeah i do too why do you think i think just because you know like, yeah, there are, you know, these episodes of people, like, dying and everything. But for, you know, you got to reckon there's 2,000-something workers there. And it's a small amount. So for most of them, it's not an issue. You know, they, a lot, I think for a lot of them, they just feel, you know, dude's probably uh, rocking the boat a bit too much. You know, it's not yeah. a matter where in high noon, it's a matter of like these, you know, essentially these outlaws are going to come to town, you know, and uh, the fact that they're not like standing up against it is, it seems more, um, how can I put it, like more self-motivated, if you will. Whereas yeah, the I, miners, I it's more like just kind of, well, it's, like it's not my business. Yeah, and I also, too, wonder if there isn't a little bit more, because you're sort of introduced to early on, well, really early on, the first opening scene, actually, some of the dialogue, they they talk about um, this idea that, um, you know, as, as laborers, they may be being replaced yeah. with, with machines. 
Yeah. And so they got, you know. So they got that pressure weighing over their head. Um, cause this, you know, this is their livelihood. This is how they make their money. But then you also kind of got this, uh, this organized crime syndicate, which probably, you know, this general manager, you know, Shepard, they probably know that he could, uh, he could apply the type of pressure they don't want him to apply. Yeah. To them. Unlike you don't really have that. In the small town, it's like you said, it's more self, self interest. Self serving, yeah. Self serving, yeah. It's, it's almost kind of like, well, you know what it is? They, in the town, they've gotten too civilized. Yeah. They don't want to get into the messy, you know, nitty, the, just the messiness of, even though you're only in the end talking about four, Four gunmen, which we, you know, we've already kind of said, I mean, these people could have just all rushed up to the train station and it, yeah. it held at least held these three at gunpoint. Yeah. And just been and, like, keep on forced, moving. just forced them, get on that train and go. Yeah. And if you ever come back, we'll kill you. This yeah. is our town. We fought too hard to have what we have. It's a good thing. And, you know, and, you know, and you ought to be happy, you know. Frank, you ought to be happy that you've been pardoned and you have your life intact and you haven't been put on the gallows or anything like that. Just yeah, live your life. Be be you know. I mean, the, the town very, and I think that is a much harder prospect for these people in this mining colony. I think they've got yeah. other pressures being applied that make it a little more difficult. Um, plus, they might be getting spooked too, just by the amount of people suddenly. Who are, um, you know, well, did they commit suicide? Did they not commit suicide? What is, yeah, yeah, what's, you know, so, but there seems to be a lot of pressure being applied to in terms of their productivity and, and having to meet certain expectations. Yeah. Um, so there, yeah, that seems a little different. Um, what did now? This is what do we say? This is 1981. Yeah. What did you think in terms of um, just the um, the set design, the miniatures, the honestly all around? I was very pleased with it. Um, you know, when it comes to sci-fi movies, you can very easily become like cheesy. You, like, how how can I put this? Like, once you know that, like, the set that you're looking at is made with, like, um, like egg cartons, you can't help but see it, you know? Um, everything seemed pretty much, you know, it seemed well put together. Very believable. Yeah, you know, everything it's- seemed, everything worked. You know, nothing jumped out at me that was like, oh, you know, that's, uh. This, I think this is a, everything functions. Everything is, this is as clear, I think, of a look in peak into what life in space probably, if we ever get that far, will really truly look like. Yeah. What I liked also though was the fact that like, the weapons, for example, were just, you know, they, they were just your standard guns. You know, um, 
Yeah, there wasn't anything like technologically speaking. There wasn't anything that like really stuck out as far as like, except you uh, know, like a night vision type scope. scope. Yeah, right. and that was We're it. You know, that stuff. I mean, yeah, and, it was. It was very. It felt. I guess the term is. It's the term hard sci-fi. I think they call it, where it's like grounded very much in reality. Like it's like you could you could you could see this like a hundred years down the road, it would make sense that this this was how it is, um, and that's kind of how this is. It's like you know, there's no, you know, there's no laser guns or anything. It's no. literally like shotgun and rifles this, this, and this really is alien without the alien. It is, it is, yeah. and I mean. We also got to say, uh, yeah, the head explosions aren't that great, but um, the guy that goes down in the elevator, that that's some good effects there. Yeah, that was, yeah. I mean, I was, he's just meat sauce at the end, but, you know. I was impressed, man. I was really, really. Now, I mean, I remember this movie, and I, I remember, you know, when I first picked it up. Um, I think this was another uh, CD warehouse pickup for me. Um, <laughs> years, you know, some time ago. I mean, I've had it in my collection for a while, and every once in a while, because it's Sean Connery, so. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you know, me and me and the wife will, you know, fall asleep out in the living room. You know, I, I say fall asleep. You know, not that it's that pouring to fall asleep but you know uh, you know you throw something on late at night and this you know a little bit of a slow burn but but i was just reminded just getting ready to talk about this show i i was just really freaking blown away by just how good it really is it really is i mean um like like I said before, I I knew I enjoyed this movie, but I didn't realize how much I enjoyed it until this watching. I was just like, it's just, it's just a good movie. Yeah, and a good and a little bit of I mean a good mystery too, as he works to try to uncover exactly what is motivating these people to do what they're doing. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's just. Just a good little piece of film, honestly. That uh, what did you like most about the end, or, or how it resolved itself? Hmm. I like that they left the 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 fate of um, Peter Boyle's character kind of up in the air. Like you know, he's either going to get arrested or is like his drug people are going to kill him or something. Oh, it's yeah. it's not going to end well for him. No, they're coming for him. But I like the fact that they, you know, just sort of left it up there. It's just like, okay. Yeah. Almost Actually, like he was like, I've, d I've done my job. I'm done. Whatever happens now, that's your own problem. I like the fact that he didn't, uh, I like the fact that he didn't kill him. Yeah. I mean, didn't he hear the transmission that he, he understood that if he could somehow find his way through this mess, um, that uh, that Shepard was going that they were gonna come for him. Yeah, you know. So I like the fact that you know he's just kind of like, yeah, nothing good's gonna happen to you. Um, I don't have to do anything. 
Like it, yeah. it, it, it's coming for you on its own. You got to kind of wonder too how much that one, uh, the one drug runner could have really made things messy for Shepard when, when he tries everything he can to kill, uh, the marshal at the end of that chase. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sure killing a marshal on a, you know, yeah, I mean, that's gonna, uh, that's not gonna work well for, for Shepard. I mean, it, it, even, even in the best of situations, it's not gonna work well for him, but you know, maybe he'd be reprimanded as opposed to, you know, being killed. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I thought, you know, there was, and you know, I thought it's funny because in High Noon, you know, there's one scene you have there that you, I don't know if you really have, um, in this, in this movie, and that's, uh, Grace Kelly's, uh, decision to, uh, take down one of the gunmen who has his, I think he has his, uh, pit, you know, he's about to shoot, um, Will King. Yeah. And she yeah. kills him. And I love the perspective of how you, you don't know what happened initially until the camera swings around and you realize, oh, she just freaking blew him away. Holy freaking crap. Yeah. And that was just a great, it, it was great because it didn't, it, it, you, you understood her conviction. You understood why it was she was set against violence. But you also understood in the end why she chose to do what she did. Yeah. Which was really, you know, kind of, you know, but in the end, in this one, there's no real need for it. In fact, in this one, he, he really does have to ride to the end without his wife or son anywhere in the picture. Yeah. All, all he's got is like the curmudgeonly doctor. I guess you could call her a doctor. <laughs> Yeah, what she was fantastic. She was absolutely free, freaking fan. I love the freaking dialogue back in. Oh yeah, <laughs> when she with that the whole oh that that's just a uh, what did she just say? That was just a. Uh, I got uh, that's a doctor joke, and he's like, oh, yeah, joke, and I love it. He comes right back with his. Well, that was just a Marshall joke. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was so freaking. Some of their dialogue back and forth was just, but you also understood too that. In the end, for him, I think ultimately the only thing he wanted more than anything was to be able to morally justify to himself, okay, fine, I can leave this place and go catch up with my wife and son, but first, this crap's got to get cleaned up. Exactly. That, that's, that's very much what... And and I loved it that there was never... I don't know if you ever... I didn't, I don't... I don't know if you ever picked up on any, I didn't pick up on anything, but it didn't seem to me like there was not going to be any romantic gesture between these two, between. No, no way. It was just a, you know, it was just a, um, um, a, a, I guess a very, very useful partnership. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's all it ever because you, you, know? you almost kind of got the feeling that maybe she she knew she had her head in the sand for too long as well. Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, she was very much like you know she she said herself like even the point when when she's talking about like the amount of 
like deaths over the years or whatever when it's like when it goes back and it's like you know she she knew and she's like you know she was just waiting yeah. for someone to come along to do something about it so i like i like that i like that in the end that she 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 had a second chance to be able to live with herself mm-hmm. and he you know was able to you know find that resolution and then in the end he was um able to you know catch catch up with his wife and son and so that part of his life was going to get fixed yep yeah so i was you know i don't know i was i I was pretty impressed with uh with with both they they you know Mm. i mean with with high noon you have like a like a certified classic you know and with Outland, you have a movie that should be a certified classic. I think so. I don't think I don't think it was received well initially from no. what little I, I saw, which is un, unfortunate. Well, you know, a lot of these movies weren't. I mean, the thing wasn't received well, and um, yeah. I don't know, Alien, but yeah. it just anything darker, more realist, I guess. Um, it's amazing yeah. to me just to think how big something like E.T. was and how little anyone even talks about that today. Yeah. Uh, according uh, to this, Outland cost roughly $18 million to make, and it made 17 to $20 million. So, yeah, it was essentially a flop. I wonder what is critical... Uh, Yeah, I mean, like, some of the, the reviews are, are kind of, you know, pathetic. It's like uh, Gary Arnold at the Washington Post said, you know, uh, he adapted High Noon to a uh, sci-fi environment, uh, that can, uh, but it was like uh, the story was trite and dinky. I, I, no, that's not the case. Uh... Uh, that was a more favorable one. That, that seemed to be a pretty favorable one. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's it seems to me that, you know, the... It seems to be, you know, they seem to be quite good... Uh, reviews, well, I think there's, you know? I think there, well, I think, I think the two films are good in their, in their, in their own, in the own, in the issues that both are, are dealing with. I mean, more high noon dealing with, you know, at least Carl Foreman's screenplay dealing with the things that he's seeing in the moment. And yeah. I think Outland, I think, is looking is seeing some things begin to happen, but it's really doing a good job looking out further ahead at the things that are coming down the pike, meaning a world controlled or, you know, a, a, yeah, a world controlled by corporate interests. Yeah. And one that can be corrupted very fast because mm. in the end it's about productivity. It's about money. It's about, you know, those, you know, those who sort of, you know, control things top, 
um, will do anything and everything to make sure that, you know, they're positioned as well as they can be positioned. Um, and I think, I mean, I mean, there's something to be said about, you know, you know, the wealth trickles down, you know, you know, enough to the people who are working in that. The, un- the unfortunate side effect is, of course, is how they're able to produce so much with so, you know, in, in so little in terms of time. And the, the consequences of that is, of course, you know, the, you know, just their brain, brains frying from. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you're able to, you know, get a couple, you know, you know, do your time a little bit and then get out of there. Maybe I guess you, you know, whatever. But I mean, for these people, I mean, I don't know. It's pretty much that's their, that's their lot. Yeah. Very true. Yes. Um, I don't know. I was, yeah, I was pretty, um, now the one thing, I, 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 the one thing I'll say is too is I didn't realize that Gary Cooper was basically reprising an earlier role he did um, in the Virginian. So it was kind of interesting. That's pretty that, cool, really. You know that he got to that he was doing that. He was willing as an actor to do that. Actually, was um, yeah, obviously with a bit of a different spin, sort of. But um, I don't know. I I think. Uh, I do wish you could have got a little more Lee Van Cleef. I mean, oh, yeah. I, what little, every time the camera, um, you know, you know what scene I was just thinking of from high noon, um, that I really freaking got a kick out of is when, uh, there's, they're waiting on the train to show up and, um, and Lee Van Cleef is playing on his harmonica. The other guy, uh, is, uh, is, you know, drinking his, his bourbon. Um, and I love the one guy just gets frustrated, you know, because they're just getting frustrated waiting. And I love it. The one guy just turns and he's, and you're not really too sure which one he's looking at, but he just turns and he's just like, will you put that thing away? Yeah. And it's Lee Van Cleef who sort of just stops playing his harmonica and puts it down. And the other guy just sort of smiles as he takes <laughs> another swing of his bourbon. Oh yeah. It's just the little things. You got to love the, the just, um, Little little things, and then I I I would imagine in Outland is is Peter Boyle's character is so freaking awesome. Oh yeah, and and he's the dad, isn't he the the dad in uh, Everyone Loves Raymond? Yeah, yeah. So man, he is young in this one. He really is. I mean, Holy crap, is he young? It's funny he's young, but he still looks old. But it's funny because even in Everyone Loves Raymond, you kind of get a little bit of the of the uh, Shepherd character once in a while. Yeah, yeah, you do. It's funny. It's it's. <laughs> yeah, he's freaking. I I didn't. It took me a minute to put those two together because I know when we start watching when we one of my revisits, um, my wife actually was watching with me and she's like Peter Boyle. And I, I, I knew she, you know, knew him from Everyone Loves Raymond. And, but I, I just had a hard time connecting it because he looks so freaking young in this movie. <laughs> but he's so freaking good, man. Yep. Man, I don't know. Um, I'm gonna, I, I guess the only other thing I was just thinking of is, uh, Peter Hyman's, um, the, the relic. He directed the relic, which. Oh, yeah. That's kind of had a soft, soft spot for, um, and he did the Star Chamber in 83. 
Nice. And uh, Fred Zinneman, um, High Noon, he did uh, – he had a, like a run of like three or four like really big movies. But two of them was uh, A Man for All Seasons. It had uh, our, uh, our, our our wonderful Quint. Um, <laughs> what's his name there? Um, yeah, Quint. Uh, I know. Come on. Oh. Crap. Damn it. Uh, I'm even looking up at my freaking poster. I was, what the heck? Oh, duh, Robert Shaw. <laughs> That's it. There we go. Um, yeah, um, he's not the only big one in that one. And he also did uh, The Day of the Jackal in 73. Oh, nice. So he did <laughs> He did a few. Um, and uh, but, but the screenwriter was also known for – he actually won an award for um, his screenplay for The Bridge Over the River Quah. Oh, nice. But the sad part is, I don't think I mentioned this yet. The sad part is, is, um, this, uh, his screenplay for, uh, High Noon won an Oscar, but it was left uncredited. Oh, uh, yeah. And, uh, he didn't, he didn't receive, uh, he didn't receive, uh, the Oscar technically until, um, 97, which was 13 years after his death. How sad is that? Yeah, definitely. Um, just un uh, just unreal unreal um and oh I had written this down too uh in 2007 uh the American Film Institute ranked High Noon as number 27 of the greatest movies of all time. There you go. I mean that, that says pretty, something right there. That's pretty freaking cool. Definitely. Uh, yeah, 29 29 years between High Noon and uh, Outland. And, uh, it's so, kind of crazy when you think about it. A, 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 an earlier message for its time, and perhaps uh, Outland is a message for things to come. Maybe. Yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> Such a great, yeah, two two good movies. I'm glad we did them. Definitely. I mean, you know, it's something a bit, you know, different for us to talk about but it's definitely definitely just interesting stuff isn't it yeah <laughs> all right um yeah i guess kind of exhausted maybe any any closing yep. uh we, we need a really nice blu-ray of outland so anyone listening to this that happens to maybe work for like a you know, Shout Factory or Arrow or something, uh, maybe a bit of love thrown that way. That would be very much appreciated. <laughs> uh, other than that, um, you know, I know you can, uh, Outland you can see on, um, uh, it's, it's not really streaming anywhere, but you can get it from like Amazon Prime and, places pretty cheap so i i definitely recommend giving it a shot because uh it's it's a superior little bit of sci-fi and honestly what more do you need to say about high noon it's a classic oh. um yeah i got the eureka blu-ray you got the one from who, who's yours from olive from olive yeah you know um but here's here's the thing too i don't know if you if you caught this we were we were talking about dawn of the discs earlier mm -hmm. um literally 
not even a day or two after I had my Allah films uh, release in my hand, the I noticed. I saw, yeah, unreal. Yeah, I know. I saw that dude. I was just kind of like, really? But apparently, my Allah films. I don't know if it's the same for you. Is um, is worked from with a 4K. Um, yeah, uh, I think I think mine might be as well. Looks freaking great. Anyways, I don't. Know, it does. Really 4K of it. It's. It looks pretty freaking. I'll tell you what, my my DVD of uh, High Noon looks a whole lot better than my uh, my DVD of Outland. I'll say that. Well, there you go. <laughs> so I really need an upgrade on this big time. Yeah. Well, worth it. But yes, Green Factory, that would be freaking awesome. Oh yeah, definitely. Or you know what? Um, it's gonna sound weird, but uh, hey, uh, Unearthed Films. Maybe in your classics line, throw Outland in there. I wouldn't mind that. Just saying. Yeah, I, was, I, I had a, I had a thought about Criterion for a minute, but I don't know. That doesn't really feel like Criterion. Mm, yeah, but you know, hopefully we get something. 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 A nice little. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, that was right. our that was our thoughts on uh, High Noon and Outland. Um, be sure to join us again. We are uh, we're going to be doing a show on the Hostel trilogy coming up soon with Will. Uh, that should be interesting. God, I got to get into freaking overdrive on this one fast. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. Uh, other than that, um, that's pretty much it. So, see ya. All right. Farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu to you ladies of Spain. For we've received orders for to sail back to Boston. And so never more shall we see you again. <laughs>